Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. There's a racist bum who writes for the Daily News who really needs to be taken to task, and I am going to do just that. Plus, observations from the recent Little League World Series in Williamsport, PA. Both the good and not so good. And in football, giant superstar wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. strikes it rich. And I do mean big time rich. Just in time for the new season to begin. So like I said, listen up. Because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right. As I said... There's a racist bum writing for the Daily News, and I am going to level the the anvil, the tree, the redwoods, everything on him here, because the guy deserves it, and I'm telling you, he is a racist piece of crap. The fact that the Daily News, you know, is a shell of what it used to be. People recently lost their jobs. The sports section, I think, now consists of nine people. And they got this piece of garbage, this racist piece of garbage, Karan J. Phillips, writing for the Daily News. And it happened to be in the sports section. It Like, it, it turns my stomach. It is absolutely the most disgraceful crap I have ever, ever seen. And, and he's done this before. And, you know, I, I kind of touched on it, but I didn't make a big deal whether it was on my podcast or if I was sitting in for Bernie and Sid. Uh, you, you know, I, I just. I touched on it. But his theme is consistently the same. He's just an agitating ball breaker who's pissed off at the world, and he needs to look in the mirror. Because, for lack of a better term, this guy is full of shit big time. I, I, He had an article last Saturday, to be exact, Saturday, August 25th, okay? And the article, the article's about Jim Brown, arguably... In many people's eyes, the greatest football player in the history of the National Football League. Many, many people would say that. 
the people in the Hall of Fame, his, his peers, his colleagues would say that. And the headline is heroes, as in H-E-R-O apostrophe S, heroes fall from grace. Brown, once a civil rights icon, shows he's no longer in touch with causes. Okay? Where, what does this all stem from? Jim Brown was asked, he was he was on a show, uh, a, a radio show, and he comment about supporting Donald Trump. Okay? He commented about supporting Donald Trump, and he commented about how he would not uh, kneel during the national anthem. Now, you people have heard me here say, uh, while I would not do it that way, I would not take a knee that way. I'm also white. Okay? I'm not black. But having said that, while I wouldn't do it that way, I do understand why some do it that way. And I respect their right to do it. While I disagree with it, I respect their right to do it. I've also stated that I don't respect Colin Kaepernick. Because Colin Kaepernick, to me, is a different story. Just remember, well, I'm, I'm getting to Jim Brown, but I want to make sure we everybody reads the same lingo here, okay? Because Colin Kaepernick, he didn't just sit down. Then he wore a Castro shirt, okay? Now, you can have your opinion on a lot of things. Your People are entitled to their opinions, whether I agree with them or not. But Castro, a murderous dictator, and then you're going to wear cop, uh, socks depicting cops of pigs? No, that's when Kaepernick lost me. But we can all have differences of opinion. But Jim Brown, you know, he said, I'm not going to denigrate my flag and I'm going to stand for the national anthem. I'm fighting with all my strength to make it a better country. But I don't think that's the issue, because what is the top side? Are you not going to stand up? This is our country, man. We work hard to make it better, and that's my attitude. So I don't relate to this issue because it's newsworthy, uh, uh, because where are you superstars, and where are they at? Aren't they making comments? You know, anyway, so he he said, um, you know, he, he spoke in supportive terms of um, President Donald Trump. Fine. Uh, he, he said when he goes through talking about Trump, when he goes through what he went through to become president, he got my admiration. Brown was quoted as saying, all right, now listen to me. You can like Trump. You can dislike Trump. That's not what this is about, folks. So let's not twist it into something else. This is about a man's right to his opinion. OK, and he certainly has had a history a, a long history of fighting for causes, standing up back in the 60s with Muhammad Ali. Uh, I covered him. Uh, he has a had 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 a foundation. He uh, was a program called Amera Americana, where he didn't just go into the community. He dealt with bloods and crips in L.A. I mean, he put his ass, he put his life, he put his nuts on the line. 
He could have easily been killed. So he wasn't just a talker during his life. He was a doer. Okay? He also did some bad things. And in this column that I'm talking about, Karan Phillips talks about how he was arrested for assault and battery against an 18-year-old girl before being acquitted in 65. In 68, he was charged with assault with an intent to commit murder against a model charge was dismissed. In 1969, assault and battery charges against him from a road rage. In 1985, he was charged with raping a woman, though the charges were dismissed. Yada, yada. The, the point being, this... Karan Phillips goes on and on and on and on and on in this column to just bury Jim Brown. He goes on to say, I don't know Brown and I have never seen him in the same, been in the same room with it, been in the same room with him. But as a child, I, like many others, idolized him. They say you should never meet your heroes because they're sure to disappoint you. Brown has done without an introduction. Because all I had to do was pay attention to his actions and do some research to figure out he's never been the man he's fooled us all into believing he is. Let me tell you something. If Russ Salzberg said this very same thing, is if Big Crash, my producer sitting across from me, said this same thing, if Sid Rosenberg said this same thing, if Bernard McGurk said this same thing, we'd all be white cracker racist. This guy, Karan J. Phillips, would go after us hook, line, and sinker. But this guy he's talking about is Jim Brown. I am not condoning any of Jim Brown's actions or or all these things. I mean, it was a point at the time he was accused of throwing, throwing a woman out a window. Fortunately, the window wasn't too high up. Nobody got killed. I'm not condoning any of that. Do not misread this. My point being, the only reason this asshole Karan J. Phillips is saying this and writing this is because Jim Brown supported Donald Trump and said he would not kneel. That is the only effing reason. So what is this asshole doing? You you know... Trump gets criticized, and rightfully so, because, listen, he's done some good things, whether you like him or not. But the one, the biggest mistake he's made, and he's done this from the beginning, instead of narrowing the the divide in our country, he has widened it. So now what does this piece of garbage, Karan J. Phillips, continue to do? Because this is not the first time. He continues to create a divide not just in his country, he creates a divide within the African-American community. The only reason he is ripping Jim Brown is because he said he wouldn't kneel and he wouldn't, uh, he showed support of Trump. Listen, I cannot agree with 
Jim Brown. But having said that, he is entitled to his opinion. The man is entitled to his opinion, and this is what is freaking wrong with this country. Because if you are left, you will not agree with the the right. You won't want to listen to them. And if you are right on the right, you won't want to hear from the left. That is why, as I sit here holding my arms spread apart, that's why the wide, the divide is that wide. Because nobody listens to one another. Nobody wants to talk. Nobody allows the other person to have an opinion. If you have an opinion that differs than, if somebody has an opinion that differs than yours, you're an asshole. That's what is going on. So Karan Phillips, believe you me, had anybody written this article, has had anybody written this article, this very same article, and that person was white, Karan J. Phillips would have gone nuts, would have been up his ass in 30 seconds. And, And... Enough has to be enough. It's spreading hate and it's spreading bullshit. And you get a a full page to write a column in the Daily News where uh, other people, quality people, lost their jobs and this guy is spreading this shit? It's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. Like I said, I... I am not condoning anything, any wrongdoing in Jim Brown's past. I am not condoning in any way, shape, or form. I am just saying the reason this bum brought this up, this racist bum, Karan J. Phillips, brought this up, these facts, is for one reason and one reason only. Because Jim Brown had the gall, had the balls to disagree with Karan J. Phillips' line of thinking. Really, that is the only reason. It, it, it's absurd. And I am telling you, folks, had anybody, as I said, had it been me, had it been Crash here, had it been Bernie, had it been Sid... Had it been Curtis Lee, I'm just thinking because I'm sitting here in the WABC studios. Anybody white would have been roasted and toasted by this guy. Karanje Phillips would have had the black community in an uproar. How dare they, 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 they do this denigrate an icon. But this asshole does that. And he does it for only one reason. Because he had, Jim Brown had the gall to say he wouldn't kneel. And this is coming from me, folks, a guy who respects people's right to kneel. And you certainly heard me say plenty of times, I disagree with a lot of the stuff from President Trump. But if you want to like him, if you want to support him, God bless, that's your right. But he's roasting and toasting a guy for no other reason, simply because this guy does not agree with the philosophy of of Phillips. 
And it's not the first time. I mean, this guy habitually writes this shit. Back when NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, remember, um, you know, not too long ago, um, he wrote about, what was it? Um, Not the commissioner didn't write about it. They, They came out with that policy that, if you stand, you can wait in the locker room. If not, you, the, the team has the right to to, um, to find you. Okay. This is Karan Phillips when that came out. The NFL and the police don't give a damn about black people. Okay. The NFL and the police don't give a damn about black people. Let's make a blanket statement like that. Okay. The NFL and the police don't give a damn about black people. So I guess black people don't care about black people. Because, you know, plenty of black people get shot in in crossfire and drive-by shootings by other black people. Should Russ Salzberg make a statement like that? Well, black people don't give a damn about their own kind. Should we make a statement about black people don't give a damn about their own people in Chicago? With all the killings and murders there? But this asshole, this is Karan J. Phillips. Eagle safety. Philadelphia Eagle safety, Malcolm Jenkins. He was... Um, he was the guy, the, the player leading the players coalition, a bunch of, you know, you know, led by the African-American players meeting with the National Football League, you know, to try to try and come to some kind of agreement, um, you know, to solve this problem with the national anthem. In in their meetings, in their meetings, uh you know, that when they were talking and negotiating, the league announced it was donating something like 90 or $100 million, uh, will be donating ninety in the area of 90 or $100 million to, you know, important causes in the African-American communities. All right? And um, Eagle Safety, Malcolm Jenkins, who's the leader of the Players Coalition, this, again, this is coming from... One, Karan J. Phillips. Malcolm Jenkins gladly jumped at the idea to take the hush money from the league and even agreed to stop his protest of raising his fist in a black power salute during the anthem. Okay? I, uh, I'm i going on. NFL owners aren't stupid. They don't care about what's happening in black communities or lose sleep over unarmed black men getting killed by police. They care about the money they lost and how far TV ratings dropped the past two seasons. To me, it sounds like they came up with a plan. First, identify a player like Jenkins who would sell out his own to talk to Players Coalition in taking a bribe disguised as a donation. Now, here is Malcolm Jenkins. And Malcolm Jenkins was front and center at the beginning. When all this started, with people taking a knee, he was taking a knee. 
He was protesting. Now he's accused of being a sellout. Are you you kidding me? And then, then of course, you know, you know, he's talking about NFL players being million dollar house slaves. You know, I always like that one. But he's talking about Malcolm Jenkins being a sellout. I mean, think about that. Here's a guy who was front and center, wanted to be involved, got involved, and now he's being taken to task. Now, listen, I didn't agree with when the NFL came out with that decision. You know, I thought it was kind of a half-ass decision how the anthem was going to be treated, how they were going to get to the bottom of it. But you're beating up a guy who tried to be involved. He did help raise $100 million for African-American causes. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not subway money. That's a lot of shkarol, as they say in the street. I just hate this. I absolutely hate this. It's one thing to have an opinion. But now you're killing other people for having their opinion. And you're killing people within your own community. Malcolm Jenkins got involved. You're pissing on Malcolm Jenkins, Karan Phillips. And now you're pissing on Jim Brown... For no other reason. You're bringing up all his discretions in the past. And there are quite a few. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what this is about. You didn't, you didn't decide to, oh, let me sit here. Let, let, let me think. You know what? I don't like, you know, you know, Jim Brown has a real checkered history. Jim Brown has a real checkered past. He's done a lot of shit that was wrong. That is wrong. Treated women poorly. I think I'm going to, you know, write about that. That's not the basis for this column that he wrote. The basis for this column is that Jim Brown had the goal, the balls to, he he would support Trump or not kneel. So now we're going to beat him up for everything he did just for that reason. I'm going to get even with this guy. I like to see Karan J. Phillips put his balls on a line like Jim Brown did. And I'm not talking on the field. I'm talking off the field. Jim Brown has not been a talker. Jim Brown has been a doer, whether you like him or not. As I said, he put his nuts on a line. He got involved with, with, with street gangs in L.A., which was damn dangerous. And 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 the American uh, became a programs around the country. I remember. I'm probably going back. Oh, this is when I was working for WWOR Channel Nine, 
I'm going back more than 25 years. Uh, they were doing something with the uh, uh, uh in New York, and some guys, some some people from the program were graduating, and it was at a church up in Harlem someplace. And at that time, the church in Harlem wasn't looking like it fortunately looks today. And let me tell you, these people graduating were tough, tough hombres. But when Jim Brown spoke to them, he had them mesmerized. They listened to Jim Brown. I remember Jim Brown speaking to them, like like talking to them like, hey, he asked all of them, how many here are married? None of them raised their hand. How many here are daddies? They all raised their hand. I'm talking, there must have been 50 guys in the room. And he lectured them all about being committed as men, as fathers, and making sure this problem in the African-American community gets fixed. And this asshole, Karan J. Phillips, I'm going to bring up all of Jim's discretions for no other reason. See, if a guy wants to write a column and say, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a column today on people, celebrities, and athletes and their wrongdoings. And Jim Brown is part of that. You know what? God bless then Jim Brown becomes totally fair game. But when you're going to roast and toast Jim Brown for the very reasons, the simple reason that Jim Brown has the goal to disagree with what Karan J. Phillips thinks, as I said, this guy is a racist bum. He is garbage. He's nothing but an agitator. He's a type of person that uses color for an excuse and nothing else. You've heard me say time and time again. There, well, Listen, we had on, on on one of my podcasts. You can certainly go back and listen to it. We had on the great giant, former giant George Martin. Very active man in the African-American community. Walked across this country to raise millions of dollars for cops and first responders. I think it was 5 or $10 million. Walked across this country. And we were talking about this. And, and while George would said the same thing, while George would not kneel, he respected their right to kneel. Does that make him... Does that make him an Uncle Tom? Does that make him an asshole? This Karan J. Phillips is a piece of shit. I'm sorry. I, when I re- I've been holding this in for a few days because I'm I'm telling you when I when I read this my skin crawled. I thought it was absolutely reprehensible, reprehensible. Just awful, 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 awful. This country's biggest problem today is we are divided. It's the biggest problem today is that we are divided. 
there's a division with the left and right. There's still a division between white and black. And this schmuck, let, let's, let me now make a division between the African-American community. Oh, that's great, Karan J. Phillips. You moron. It's terrible. It's, it's just despicable. And people like this, you, you know, at first I said, do I want to get started in this? Because, you know, like, because he's just a schmuck. Bad guy. Bad agenda. Writes with bad intentions. He doesn't write with, with, with a hope to solve anything. He writes with a hope to, 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 to create hate and divide. And you know what? I just said to myself, enough is enough. I can't let this go. He's a bad guy. And people like this have to be taken to task. So he goes ahead. I mean, you know, beats up people within his own community. You know, he pisses on uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins is a bad guy. Because he helped get a hundred million dollars or so for the African American communities, he's a bad guy because, you know, he um, said he wasn't going to kneel after the decision came out. You know, with the NFL, still was going to fight for his causes, but that makes him a bad guy. That makes him a sellout. I guess he's. I guess you know. I guess that would make him an Uncle Tom, according to the likes of Karan J. Phillips. I mean, it's terrible. And now he goes after Jim Brown because Jim Brown disagrees. Again, as I said, the Daily News just unloaded tons of people. It's a shell of itself, and you got this asshole writing for it. Despicable. Absolutely despicable. All right, let's change gears a little bit. One thing that I absolutely loved from the past weekend, loved, was what went on in Williamsport, PA. I absolutely loved the Little League World Series. More so than many, many years gone by. And the reason I loved it was because of the way some of these teams played. The Hawaii team that won it all, I have been watching the Little League World Series since it was first televised in 1963. Okay? Which, by the way, in 1963, Mid-Island which was the team from Staten Island this year that represented us in in the Little League World Series. Mid-Island, in 1963, beat my Little League, Bedford Bay, for, it was was either the semifinals or the city championship. And subsequently, the following year in 64, they ended up getting a ticket tape parade because they won the Little League World Series. Okay. So I'm very fond of the Little League. I was raised in the Little League. My my dad, let him rest in peace, was heavily involved in the Little League. I know all about the pluses and minuses of dealing with parents and kids. Know all that. 
But the manager for that Hawaiian team in particular, and and for the Georgia team as well, because Georgia played Hawaii twice. In the opening game, they lose 2 nothing on a walk-off home run in 11 innings, and then they lose the U.S. championship game 3 nothing. you know, again to Hawaii. But throughout everything, the kids were always smiling and happy and smiles on their faces. They were loosey-goosey and having fun. And both managers, but in particular, the Georgia manager, but in particular, the Hawaiian manager, he, you know, they had the guys, Mike, and he was talking to the kids. And he wasn't putting on a show because you could see how the kids were playing. Hey, let's have fun today. And when a kid was uptight, he'd walk over to the kid and say, hey, it's about us as a team. What are you doing? Let's have fun. Enjoy the moment. That's what Little League is all about. Did you see in that last game, again, when they beat South Korea, the kid on a mound who pitched the shutout, the kid on a mound for Hawaii, he was striking out a guy and he was smiling happy. He was like giggling with his, with his teammates looking at him, not not out of disrespect. He was He was thrilled. He was having a good time. You see, there was a scene with a little kid, a little left fielder from Georgia, caught a ball in, in, in uh, before they got knocked out by Hawaii. Caught a ball that he misjudged in, in in left field and went like, "Whoa!" with a big smile on his face, like he made the catch, but he almost screwed up. I mean, that's what little league is supposed to be. That's what little league is supposed to be. And by and large, most of the parents were wonderful. You know, most of the, I always, I always wanted to do a story on parents who misbehave, and there are plenty of those. But you can't do a story on that. You know why you can't do a story on that? Because as soon as they see the camera, they behave. You know, unless you were going with a like a hidden camera or something. But most of the parents were great, and, and you know and that includes the Staten Island cr- crew as well from Mid Island. But here's the difference. And uh, listen, uh, I I believe his name is Joe Calabrese, did a wonderful job with his kids. You know, they came up short. Um, They actually got thumped a couple of times. You know, they got thumped uh, by Georgia. They got thumped by uh, Hawaii. But I didn't see the kids from Staten Island playing with the same smiles on their faces and having the same kind of fun. And I just believe they were too intent on winning it all. You know, after they lost for the first time, I heard the manager say, well, we we didn't come like, I'm paraphrasing here for a a second, folks, but he basically said something like, I didn't come, we didn't come to, to compete. We came to win the Little League World Series. That's that thinking is too much for kids. That thinking is too much for kids. You, you just gotta go and have fun. Kids have to be kids. As great as it all is, listen. Those uh, th- those teams from Japan, the, the the Asian teams from Japan, South Korea. I mean, those kids. First of all, it's such a respectful culture. You know, to watch them and the respect and the bowing. 
it, it's it's you love it. You, you you eat it up. And they behave perfectly. They're they're gentlemen. The minute they lost, though, to Hawaii, all the tears came out. Well, that's because they're still kids. It gets to them. You know, they're disappointed. That's that's understandable. But this Hawaiian manager, he made sure throughout the entire Little League World Series, and I'm sure before they even got there, to make sure it's fun. To make sure it's fun. Enjoy what you are where you are. You might not get it. It was, it was wonderful to watch. Did you see... In the U.S. championship game, when, when Hawaii beat Georgia, one of the star players for Georgia, and I remember the kid's name, Ty Pete, happens to be the nephew of former Giants general manager Jerry Reese. I actually text Jerry during it when I found out about that, and he was texting him back because Jerry was there. It was, yeah, it was his nephew. On the last out, first of all, the kid gets up, and he's the last out for Georgia. And he wasn't going to be the last out, and he rips a single. But then the next guy made out. And all the Hawaiian kids are hugging everybody in the middle of the field. I'm getting choked up talking about this. They're hugging everybody in the middle. You know, their teammates, they're all celebrating in the middle of the field. And this kid from Georgia, Ty Pete, is standing in the middle of it, hugging them, congratulating them all like, like a man. I, I mean, those are some of the great things that I got from the Little League World Series. And and I, I just think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to see. And again, I, I'm not, I applaud, I was rooting my ass off for the Mid-Island kids. I got a fondness for them that goes back over 50 years. Um. You know, up until recently, I'd be at the opening of South Shore Little League, which some years back also went to the, the Little League World Series because my dear friend, guy by the name of Claudio uh, Bono, was the um, president of South Shore Little League. So he used to ask me to come and MC uh, opening day ceremonies. And I loved it. The parents, the kids, everybody's involved. Unfortunately, Claudio passed away, so I don't do it any longer. Little League is great. I have a tremendous fondness for it. Everybody's just got to remember. Listen, and it's important to teach the kids to win. And I don't believe every kid should get a trophy just for playing. You know, there's benefits to winning. And and it sucks to lose. And it's okay for kids to understand what that bad feeling is about. As, you, as well it is, it's wonderful for them to get that good feeling. And it starts at a very young age. I was taking one of my grandsons, three and a half years old. I was taking him to beginner's T-ball this summer. And boy, when he hits the ball, the smile that comes on, I, I mean, like I get goosebumps. And then sometimes he doesn't do well and you can see the sadness in his eyes. That's what sports teaches you. But as parents, we have to remember Kids are kids, and they have to be allowed to be kids. I will never, ever forget. I will never, ever forget. Tom's River Little League, which uh, Todd Frazier played for and won, they won the Little League World Series in 1998. The following year, they lost in the U.S. championship game, trying to do a repeat. 
They lost in a U.S. championship game in 1999. I believe it was a team called, uh, I'm trying to, I think it was Phoenix City in Alabama. Okay? I think it was Phoenix City. I know it was in Alabama. Anyway, they lost. And we had the manager. At that time, I was also doing a midday show on WFAN. And we had the manager on, Casey Gaynor, who was a real gentleman, a good guy. And he was the manager the year before when they won it all. And I remember saying, so what now, Casey? And he said on the radio, now they can go back to being kids. That stuck with me forever. Now they can go back to being kids. Because he spoke about it. He spoke about the pressure. You know, the TV, the lights, the camera. First of all, I think it, it, quite frankly, I like watching it, but I think some, you know, first of all, even regional games get covered. It's too much for kids. It's pressure. They're not just playing. All of a sudden, they go from playing in a barren field to playing before thousands of people on TV. Again, I loved watching this one because I thought the competition and the kids were great. And some of the, I mean, I was watching double plays and wow. I also like the idea that the bats, those souped up bats, they don't use them any longer. So, you well, you, you know, you weren't seeing 300 foot home runs from from little leaguers. But, you know, I, I just think it was wonderful to see. But I'll never forget that when Casey Gaynor said to me, in 1999, after his Tom's River failed on their chance to repeat. Now kid, now they can go back to being kids. Always remember that. And I think, you know, as parents, we always have to remember kids need to be kids. They have to be allowed to be kids. There's a time to amp up the pressure. Not at Little League, I'm sorry. Kids need to be kids, and kids need to have fun. And finally, one guy who's going to be having a whole lot of fun sleeping on a $95 million mattress for five years is one Odell Beckham Jr., number 13 for the Giants. That deal got done this past week. And I've heard some discussions you know, it's it's funny. People refuse to give up their angles and their stories. Um, remember going back, and I, I, you heard me say this way back at the beginning when I first started doing these podcasts. Now and now, there's been doing them for quite a few months. Oh, back at, well, I think it was back in March. Oh, he's on the market. The Giants want to trade him. Giants are talking trade. That was bullshit. I And I said it then. It never was going to happen. I'm looking at Crash. Am I correct? I said it was never going to happen. And I'm, I'm reading today, you know, people say, well, yeah, all's well, like kind of all's well, that ends well. But, you know, but far different story than back in March when they were talking trade with the Rams. They weren't talking trade with the Rams. John Mara very simply said at the time, hey, you're asking me, I'm telling you, when you're 3-13, and 13, nobody's untouchable. Right away, headlines the next day, Odell on the market. 
So then the Rams call up. Is Odell available? Okay, you just finished the 3-13 and season. So like any GM or owner does his due diligence. All right, make me an offer I can't refuse. Let the, you know, let's see what, you know, th- throw me something. It was never going to happen. And, and then I'm hearing about somebody saying they want to make sure he doesn't make bad decisions like going on that boat trip, which he did a couple of years ago before the Green Bay playoff game. Uh, he went on a, a, a boat trip. He went down to Miami on a Monday when it was an off day. Okay. Go around the league, folks, and find out what players do on their off days. I, I remember Willis Reed once telling me about, um, I mean, Jason Williams and, it was Jason Williams and uh, Derek Coleman. They were out late or something. Or, you know, they were seen 3 o'clock in the morning or something. And somebody went to... uh, complaining or, you know, said something, doing a story on it to Willis Reed. Willis Reed said, athletes perform at night. They go to work. They're first going out at midnight. And Willis was one of those athletes at one point, the captain. Let's not create things or make something. You know, in the old days, you you would speak of... How about Mickey Mantle and, and the old Yankee crew in the Copacabana? In those days, you know what it was like? Booze and broads. That's what it was like. Ha, ha, ha. Joe Willie White Shoes. Joe Willie Namath and all his broads. Come on. Yes. Odell seems to have matured. Odell was given $95 million. And then, and then I'm hearing, seeing some people saying, well, he doesn't de- deserve more than Antonio Brown. This is how it works, folks. You sign a contract. He is the highest paid wide receiver today. Tomorrow or next year, it could be something else. That's the way it works out. The bar gets set and then the bar keeps climbing. Make no mistake about this. Odell Beckham Jr. is a great, great player. He is a star player. Uh, The Giants need him big time. Uh, They made the right decision signing him. They know they made the right decision. And Odell Beckham Jr. wanted to be here, so he's here. So in this particular case, all's well that ends well. And all the bullshit that was being spread around like bad fertilizer for, for months was all, that's just all it was, fertilizer. So now, let the games begin. How about that? Next week. First game, well, the Thursday night game is, um, I guess, if they're starting on the 9th, then the first game, uh, what's that Thursday, press the 7th? The the 6th, yeah. It's great. Football is upon us. But... um, now the key, you know, at least as far as Odell Beckham Jr., and he looks great because I've been at camp every day, you know, because I do my Giants stuff. And also this week you can catch me on Big Blue Kickoff on Giants.com. I do that every Tuesday and Wednesday at one thirty. But having said that, um, again, Odell Beckham Jr., congratulations to him. Congratulations to... Um, 
all the Little League leaguers who performed. And uh, as far as Karan J. Phillips, piss on you. Because you are, as I said before, I will continue to say it, you are nothing but a racist bum. That being said, I want to thank all of you once again for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today on Twitter at Russ Salzberg or on Facebook. And you also get can get a load of my website. Very simple. It's russsalzberg.com. My thanks once again to my illustrious producer here, Manning the Boards, Crash, also known as Mike Caragliano. Uh, to my uh, 77 WABC program director, Craig Schwab, to my assistant, WWABC program director, Matt Dahl, and as always, to use people out there. Because without use people, I'd have nobody to talk to. So until next week, it is me saying to use people, I'm Ross Salzberg. Bye bye, so long, and farewell. is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.